This podcast was recorded Thursday, October 20th at 10.40 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like Boris Johnson will be named the next British prime minister. He's in the running. Six weeks on the job and she's <laughs> gone. Liz Truss. What a world. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or shrewd politicians either here or across the pond who can look at an unfavorable poll and always find something positive. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. Imagine a conservative cuts taxes and loses her job. That's that's amazing. Anyway, coming up in the podcast, Nan Whaley spreads her message, but... Who's listening? Doesn't seem like many people. But first, the race for U.S. Senate remains neck and neck, but there are signs, small signs, but some signs, that J.D. Vance may be pulling ahead just a bit. Yeah, two polls released this week, a poll by Signal, with a C, has J.D. Vance up by four points, that is two points better than Vance did in a Signal with a C, poll earlier this month. And that four-point lead is outside the margin of error, just barely, but we can say Vance has a slight lead in that poll by Signal with a C. Earlier this week, the latest Suffolk University USA Today network poll has the two candidates basically tied. Vance has a two-point edge over Tim Ryan in that one, 47% to 45%, and that is well within the poll's margin of error. But the polls show positive signs for Vance. He has widened his lead among men, and he has widened his lead among white voters. Yeah, the two men met in their second debate Monday in Youngstown. It was a more spirited affair than their first debate a week earlier. The criticism became more pointed, and each of them tried to paint the other as the extremist. Ryan accused Vance of subscribing to the so-called replacement theory that says Democrats are using immigration to replace white people with people of color. Some sicko got this information that he's peddling with, again, those extremists that he runs around with, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ted Cruz, all these guys, they just want to stoke this racial violence. We're tired of it, J.D. Vance angrily shot back, pointing to the children he shares with his wife of South Asian descent. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children, get attacked by scumbags online and in person because you are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. We are sick of it. So Tim Ryan going on the offensive with the culture wars, which has a, a, been a bit of a change. He has tried to stay out of those for the most part, but he, he went at J.D. on Monday with this great replacement theory. Yeah, that's his message is that uh, J.D. Vance is too extreme for Ohio. And of course, J.D. Vance claims that Tim Ryan is too extreme and on the left. So that's the, that's been the theme of this campaign, at least in the last month or so. And I don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. Could be desperation. Yeah. I think these debates are helping J.D. Vance. I think that as we have sort of suspected all along, J.D. Vance is trying to keep the Trump Republican in his camp. You know, Trump has endorsed him. Trump has campaigned for him. And but he's also trying to make sure he doesn't alienate the, quote, establishment Republican And these debates, I think, help solidify his support among those establishment Republicans, maybe some independents, that he is not the boogeyman and he is a Republican who shares their belief in less government, lower taxes, less regulation. And that could be why 
the polls are barely swinging in his his direction. Yeah, and I think he, um, again, this is just from a, a purely aesthetic point, which some people had worried about with J.D. Vance, the newcomer. I think he looks a little more polished than Tim Ryan. I, I think Tim Ryan is is going for that look a little bit. I think he's going for, I don't want to say disheveled, but he's going for, for more of the working man look. He spoke at the Ohio State campus the the other day wearing a, a, a union hoodie. Yeah. He, he's, he's not going for the more polished look. So maybe that maybe this is somewhat intentional, but J.D. has looked, in my eye, very polished. He's looked very good on the stump. Um, again, not regarding his message at all, but I'm just saying just the way he, his presence on TV, he looks he looks better than I expected. Yeah, and this, this message, this Tim Ryan message to working class men, men without a college degree, does not seem to be catching on, at least according to these poll results. The Signal poll has Vance leading in the category of men without a college degree, 58% to 34%. That's a 24-point lead. That's basically what Donald Trump received in 2020, maybe even a little bigger than what Donald Trump had against Joe Biden. So in this poll anyway, his message to try to capture the, the white working class male does not seem to be catching on. Yeah, if you had to picture a Youngstown voter, right, if you had to imagine the stereotypical Youngstown voter, that's who they both are after here. It's no coincidence this debate happened in Youngstown. It's no coincidence that, that J.D. Vance has held events with Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump in Youngstown. Both polls included so-called leaners, still undecided voters, but leaning toward one or the other. And that can be tricky to judge, especially in a place like Youngstown, where it's it's so fluid. Like People clearly there are not as married to political parties. Yeah, if you look at the definitely supporting the candidates, it's they're tied. They are really tied. It's like 37.4% each. But the leaners are leaning more towards J.D. Vance. So that could be Republicans coming home. It could be, you know, we are a red state. Don't forget, uh, Republicans have a built-in advantage in this state right now. There's still room for this race to go either way. This will be close right down to the end. Joe Biden is dragging Tim Ryan down. Vance leads on the economy, how you would handle the economy by a wide margin. But Ryan leads in just about all the other big categories. He leads on abortion. He leads on threats to democracy. But if the economy is truly the number one issue and people are just voting on that, Vance definitely has an advantage there. Yeah, I would think so. I don't think I, I don't know. We'll see. I, we've, we've been wrong before. You know, we do often wait for for, quote, Election Day. But since the advent of early voting, it uh, there, there's a, a, a 30 day <laughs> early voting period. Right? It's election month, really. It is election month. In terms of the number of people who have requested ballots, it's about 943,000 so far. That's a slight uptick over the previous year. But so far, 72,000 people have cast their ballots already. Those are people who have actually voted already. And that is nearly double the 2018 figure of about 40,000 at this point in the, the last gubernatorial election. Do you think that favors anybody? I mean, Democrats are often more associated with voting early. That's surprising because remember in 2018, we had an open race for governor. We had Sherrod Brown on the ballot running for U.S. Senate against Jim Renacci. All the other statewide seats were all open contests. It was right after uh, 2016 when Donald Trump won. There, there was a lot of energy in 2018. To, to have voting more energized now, early voting more energized now, is a bit of a su surprise. I would I would think it helps Democrats, because Democrats tend to be the ones who right. vote before Election Day. Republicans turn out generally on on Election Day. That, Democrats have to be buoyed by that. I don't know how the breakdown is, who's requesting yeah, these know ballots, either. you know, who is turning out to the polls, are they registered Democrats, registered Republicans or independents? 
But it just shows that there's interest in this election. It could also be lingering. I don't know how much of this it would be, but it could be some lingering COVID concerns. I mean, Democrats would be more likely, generally speaking, Democrats would be more likely to want to avoid big crowds with COVID. COVID still at least somewhat of a concern. Could be. This this race will come down to, I do believe, that who gets their vote out. Tim Ryan, J.D. Vance. That we don't know yet because Tim Ryan has really never run statewide before. J.D. Vance has never run anywhere before. So what are their get-out-the-vote strategies and efforts like? This could be one of those two candidates getting their vote out. Anyway, in the governor's race, uh, both polls had good news for Mike DeWine and bad news for Nan Whaley. Yeah, both polls this week show DeWine with roughly a 20-point lead over Nan Whaley. That's bigger than previous polls. Uh, DeWine leads among women. He leads among independents. Whaley leads among the younger voters, those younger than 45. And she leads among minority voters. But uh, Mike DeWine is has got clear majorities in just about every other category. Yeah, he really does. Nan Whaley spoke at the Columbus Metropolitan Club this week. It was supposed to be a debate or at least a joint discussion between her and DeWine, but the governor did not show. The Metropolitan Club had a symbolic empty chair on the stage, a la Clint Eastwood, <laughs> ready for him just in case he changed his mind. Yes, just in case. It was there for him. Whaley made her pitch. She wants to codify Roe versus Wade in the Ohio Constitution. She criticized DeWine for not living up to his promises to, quote, do something to strengthen gun regulations on the economy. Nan Whaley says she wants to write us all a check to help us cope with inflation. A $350 inflation rebate to every working family uh, in the state, about 89% of Ohioans, to really help with the squeeze on gas and groceries. This isn't a liberal idea. This is an idea that Florida and Indiana have done. That should help inflation, giving us all more money. <laughs> yeah, it helps to cope with the gas prices. It really I does. Guess. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm being facetious. There's there's an argument to be made for it. Um, yeah, the, the, DeWine's just running away with it, honestly, at this point. Yeah, I was at that uh, session this week, and the first thing I noticed was the room was not full. There were about 60, maybe 70 people there in attendance. And you, go to in mo- you, go to, you go to a lot of these CMC of events. Now, there were 140 people, I believe, watching online because the CMC, the Columbus Metropolitan Club, does offer a live stream. So that could be why the, the attendance in the room was not greater. But it's sort of symbolic of the support she is not getting from the party. The Franklin County, Columbus area's county, Franklin County Democrats should have had a table there. The Ohio Democratic Party should have had a table or two there and just fill the room a little bit, give give the room some energy. They weren't there. And in the past, the Republican Party has has had a table at these events, and they weren't there. And Nan Whaley was asked about it during the discussion, do you feel like you're not getting enough support from the Ohio Democratic Party? And she very diplomatically said, we, will, we always could use more support, but they've been very supportive, and I have no complaints. What if you gave her some truth, sir? So I would say she's probably a little disappointed. Probably. I mean, she, she's, she has really no money. She's leaning into the abortion issue pretty heavily now. She thinks that's where her strength is in attracting voters. And the last three TV ads or, or video ads she has produced have all been about the abortion issue, her support of abortion rights, Mike DeWine's strong opposition to abortion rights. Polling shows the big leads, but she she claims, she, she points to Kansas where they had the referendum on the ballot and the polls had it neck and neck 
right at the beginning and it ended up winning by 20 points. Yeah. So she's saying maybe there's a hidden vote out there, women worried about abortion rights who could come to the polls and support her. That's what she's hoping for, at least publicly. Yeah, looking at some of the numbers from the poll, 44% say the economy is the number one issue. No surprise there. 19% say abortion is the number one issue, surely um, more important to women in general. Uh, 19% say threats to democracy are the top issue, and 9% say it's immigration. Yeah, immigration was really high back in 2020 and in 2016. 19% is a big number for abortion being the number one issue. But 44% still say the economy is number one. Yeah, you know, the, the polling, we mentioned these polls, and you mentioned that they have leaners. I don't trust the polls. And I'm generally very trustworthy of polls. And I think that you look at patterns, and, and the, the race for the Senate has been tied pretty consistently, and the race for governor has shown a big lead from Mike DeWine pretty consistently. So you have to take those and say, you know what, they're probably right. But I, I would be really interesting to see how close this polling is to the actual results after election day. Yeah, these are both well-respected polls, but I, I certainly understand your, your skepticism. Because everyone I talk to, both conservative and liberal, say, I never answer my phone. I never answer my phone if I don't know who's calling. Yeah, these are, these are targeted polls. There's, a, I, think, I think Signal had 1,500 likely voters. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're a sampling. And then we know that a lot of the Donald Trump supporters do not participate in polls. They think that the whole system is rigged. And also... A lot of liberal voters just don't answer their phone if they don't know who's calling. <laughs> I don't know what pollsters do these days. They have to wait, and they, they know what they're doing. But I'm curious to see how these polls match up with the results. I'm laughing because it's hilarious. A lot of young people I know just don't answer. My mom will answer every phone call that comes, but young people— Well, there's that, that commercial for the uh, for progressive insurance where the guy is telling old people. Oh, he's teaching uh, old people how to not be their parents. Yeah, don't answer the phone. <laughs> Send a text. Anyway, turning now to our Snolly Gosser of the Week Award. We honor the shrewdest politician or political move in the past seven days. In 2018, Republican leaders helped write an amendment to the Ohio Constitution that created the current system of drawing congressional maps. That amendment gives the Ohio Supreme Court authority to enforce anti-gerrymandering rules. As we know, the Supreme Court has tried many times to enforce those rules, but Republican leaders have ignored the court every time. Now, Republican legislative leaders have appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, saying the state legislature has sole authority to draw congressional districts. It gets even better. What's interesting even more is one of the men saying Ohio's system is unconstitutional helped write it. Yeah, Matt Huffman, who in 2018, he's the Senate president. He signed off on the Ohio Supreme Court's authority to rule on Ohio's maps. Now he says the Ohio Supreme Court has no role in the process. So for that, Matt Huffman, for writing a for writing the current system of redistricting in Ohio and then saying uh, part of it makes no sense, you get our Snollygoster of the Week Award. That's pretty good. Yes. That's, that's really good. If you have a suggestion for next week, it might be hard to top, but please... Email it to us at snollygoster at wosu.org. Also, be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And please just tell your friends about us. Get the word out. Until next week, for our audio producer, Eric French, and our web producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.